Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and we've got a fun show lined up for you guys today. We're going to be talking with Alexander Rachich about what got him into MMA while living in Austria. Uh, we're also going to talk about his upcoming fight. Plus, we'll get into the spirit of Thanksgiving by giving thanks for what me and Dave love about MMA. We're both going to share a little bit with you guys. And plus, I'm breaking down some fights from UFC China. It's a, a little underwhelming card, but there's definitely some intrigue at the top, so you're not going to want to miss that. But first, I want to give a special thanks to a very special company. I'm talking about ADK Fightwear. They've been a supporter of the show for some time right now, but it's not the only reason that I'm proud to tell you guys to get out there and buy some of their gear. ADK brings you high-end grappling gear with really, really, really low prices. If you're looking for a gift these holidays for that special grappler in your life, look no further. Where else are you going to find shorts for 20 bucks? Where else are you going to find a rash guard for 16 bucks? I bet there's nowhere out there, and if there is, there's no one with quality like ADK. I've been wearing my Gogri rash guard right now for the last, I don't know, three or four months, washing it over and over again, uh, beating it up on the mats, and it still looks like the day I bought it. But don't just take my word for it. Get your own Gogri rash guard at adkfightwear.com. You can go right now, check it out for yourself, use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, and you'll get 20% off your whole order. So you can get those low, low prices plus 20% off even more. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Alexander Rachik, who fights Devin Clark at UFC 231 in Toronto on December 8th. Alexander, uh, Austria, not necessarily a place known for like as a hotbed of MMA. How did you wind up finding the sport and getting into it? Uh, hi, for, hi, Dan, and hi to the Flow Combat. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing martial arts around 13 years. I started with boxing and kickboxing and did around 40, 40 or 50 fights in, in, in boxing and kickboxing. And... 2011, I moved to MMA, and for Austria, it's really hard to train here because you have, uh, before, the, in this time when I started, it was really hard to get uh, the BJJ and the wrestling, but it's, got, it's coming, you know, it's, uh, every year it's getting better and better, and I was fighting international in Europe, in Germany, in Slovenia, uh, everywhere, and yes, I was winning that. And the trainers are coming, you know, we, we got some uh, good grappling, uh, good grappling skills and wrestling skills, uh, wrestling training, and I start to train and yeah, here I, here, here we are. I won my last, last, uh, eight fights, then I signed with the UFC and here, here we are, two fights in the UFC, two wins against good opponents and yeah, let's do it. So, so you said there too that you were you were a kickboxer and a boxer before, and obviously a successful one. What made you decide that you were going to stop kickboxing and boxing and then just focus on MMA? You know, uh, my first fight in kickboxing was at fourteen years. I was fourteen years old, and I fought till twenty. So I fought six years, a lot of a lot of fights, and it was boring for me. You know. 
I want some more. I want to wrestle, I want to grapple, I want to punch on the ground, you know. It's obviously, I want some more action, you know. <laughs> and that, that's the reason I, I, I changed to MMA. Interesting, and and you certainly made good of that in your first fight in the or in your second fight in the UFC, rather your your last fight against Justin Ledette. You, you took him down and beat him down. Is that sort of how you you see your own style now? Uh, you know, even though you started as a boxer, you see yourself more as a a grappler and a ground and pound artist now. I would I, w- I would say I'm a I'm a complete fighter, and you know it was not it was surprise because. Uh, I didn't plan to fight like this in, in Hamburg, in Germany, against Justin Ledet. But after the first uh, shot, he got he took a, he, he wanted to took me down, and I felt uh, how much power I have. You know, he was like he don't, he was not weak, but I was too strong for him. And yes, then I decided to go to to do it like this. You know, to to maul him, to grind him, to take him down, to ground and pound him. Yes. But I like also to fight stand up because this is my background, mm-hmm. and where where wherever the fight goes, I'm ready. You know, I I love to bang in the stand up. I love to grapple. I love to wrestle. So I'm complete. I don't care where the fight goes. I'm ready. And you mentioned in there too that you just felt so much physically stronger than him. Now, obviously, just looking at you, you're much bigger than most light heavyweights. Is that something you feel in pretty much every fight that you have a, a strength or a size advantage? Of course, uh, I was. I had just one fight in my MMA career. The opponent was bigger than me, and this was not too not 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 a lot. But yes, I'm working uh, a lot on my distance uh, and to take advantage of my of my size and my and my height. And I really focus on. On my strength and conditioning, training three times a week, strength and conditioning, to be able to dominate for three rounds and fighting nonstop with no no break. And, and obviously, you did that last time out. Let's talk about next time out too. So you're going to fight Devin Clark now. Obviously, it was a little bit easier to wrestle somebody like Justin Ledet, who is you know mostly a boxer as well himself. Devin Clark's got a wrestling background. Do you feel like you could do probably the same thing to him, or is this a, a whole different game plan here? Of course, I can wrestle with him. I can wrestle with anybody. You know, I'm so confident. I have a good wrestling. I have good wrestling partners here in Vienna, Austria. They came in from Chechnya, and we know all of you, all of the world knows from Chechnya, Dagestan, and Russia. They have one of the best wrestlers. So my wrestling coach is from Chechnya, and I'm not. I'm not scared of Devin Clark's wrestling. So he he can come. I think I'm more complete. I have the better stand-up. And if it goes to the ground, I think I have the better grappling. Of course, also the wrestling. So the, the game plan, it's not going to be the same. Maybe, it, you know, we don't know. I don't know how he, how he gets to the fight. So I'm going to decide it uh, right in the fight. I'm going to decide what, I, what I'm going to do. But like I said, it's gonna be a show, a showtime, you know, and I can't wait to get in there and to kick his ass. Yeah, and, and we can't wait for the fight either. Now, I, I want to ask another question about the fight. You know, on your way to the UFC, you mentioned you were eight. No, eight of those fights all ended in finish. So 
then you've come to the UFC. Since then, it's been two decisions. They've been dominant decisions, but they've been decisions. Do you feel any pressure to get back into finishing somebody, or are you just happy to make sure that the wins keep piling up in that column? Of course, uh, every finish is is it's it's awesome, you know. But you know, I I'm here to dominate, you know, and I don't want to force something. If the finish happens, it happens. If not, it's it's not, you know. I I don't want to force something and to get caught in some submission or some KO. I'm gonna I'm gonna be aggressive. I'm gonna fight, and if the KO happens, it's good. If not, I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight and I I'm gonna watch to make a good performance for the for the fans and for the UFC and maybe to break another record. Yeah, well that and that was a, an, an impressive performance and of course for those of you listening at home, the record he speaks of is the difference in significant strikes in a light heavyweight contest. Yeah. He outstruck Justin Ledet by 239 strikes. Uh, in a three-round yeah. bout, which is pretty damn impressive. So, speaking of impressive, you know, like Alex, you're, you're only 26 years old. So, obviously, you've got a crazy bright future here in the UFC. Uh, it obviously all starts with December 8th. But what are maybe your goals for 2019 in the UFC? For 2019, I'm gonna. I want to fight two or three times because next year I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a wedding. I'm gonna marry my 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 girlfriend. So I don't know if I'm able to fight three times, but for sure two times. And I want to climb the top 15 and top 10, and in the future to become the UFC light heavyweight champion because I have all the abilities. I'm young. I'm hungry. I'm fresh, and I'm ready for everybody. So I cannot wait for the next year and the next and the years after it. So I'm going to work to be the number one, and I have a lot of time to do it. Yeah, and we certainly look forward to it. And once again, congratulations on the wedding. Uh, for those of you listening at home, this was Alexander Rachik who fights Devin Clark at UFC 231 in Toronto on December 8th. Alex, thank you again so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that interview with Alexander Rachik was brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Tis the season to be thankful, and I am thankful that there is now an underwear company out there that allows you to roll comfortably without having your goods smashed up against your leg. Sheath has a revolutionary front pocket designed specifically for your marbles so that they are supported and comfortable while you do physical activity. Plus, they promote airflow so your balls stay cool and don't get all sweaty. And even if they do get a little sweaty, because, you know, you guys work hard, Sheath is antimicrobial and moisture wicking. So they're not going to be sweaty for all that long because Sheet's going to take care of you. I know it seems wild that there would be a change to the underwear game in 2018, but I'm telling you, it's for real. Check them out at sheathunderwear.com. Make sure to use promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, for 20% off that order. They are going to change the way that you do physical activity. And as a quick reminder, I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, here with Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, Rachik might be the most exciting young light heavyweight prospect not named Johnny Walker. Your thoughts? Wow. Loaded words coming from you, Gumby, because I am super high on our boy Johnny Walker, uh, blue, black label. Does he have that nickname, by the way? Has anyone made that reference that he's named after a best-selling whiskey? I actually think he's one of those, uh, and, and we can put the intern on this one, I actually think he's one of those 
um, Brazilian prospects who goes by a name who that's not actually his. I don't think his name is Johnny Walker. Give me, uh, give me true. one second. Right. Yeah, because who, what Brazilian guy do you not got no name Johnny Walker? <laughs> <laughs> well said. All right. Well, anyway, to the original point, super high on Johnny Walker. Uh, definitely like what I've seen in minimal action from Alexander Rachik. How do you really pronounce his name? I believe it's Rachik. Uh, and I'll take your word for it, Gumby, because you are a prospect master if you're that high on him. I definitely like what he said about moving to MMA because kickboxing is boring, LOL. He likes to beat people up on the ground, and, I mean, fuck, when you watched him fight, uh, what was it, Justin Ledette, he fucking, I mean, he, he broke the record for for the biggest difference in strikes thanks to his ground and pound, so clearly he made the right choice. Yeah, and I also think you're right with Johnny Walker. I don't know if we could get the intern on that quickly, but I know he didn't rep Brazilian... Uh, paraphernalia on his fight kit because he said something like brazil doesn't do anything for him so why would he rep brazil so he might have you know a traditional portuguese or brazilian name and he just switched it to johnny walker because he ain't down with the crown down there in brazil i don't know yeah i i can't seem to find a different name so if i i just decided to to decide his name is something else i apologize but i know that that's like a thing in the past, right? Like, Hussier Formiga's last name is not Formiga, it's De Silva. Um, right. I can't find anything on Johnny Walker, so... Uh, I guess something we, uh, we'll we have to ask him if we ever get him on the show. Uh, let's let's move to the le- uh, news from around the MMA world. I always want to say UFC news, because obviously they're the dominant brand, but we, we talk about all things MMA here. Uh, but you know what? We'll start with something UFC-related. <laughs> the UFC is opening a performance institute in Shanghai. There's rumors of Mexico coming next. What do you make of this? Oof. Uh, I think this is a big power move by the UFC. I think they're seeing pr- uh, companies like Bellator lock up young, exciting prospects early. You know, like people like... Um, you know, you, you've got some of the, the guarantees out there, you know, like the Dylan Danises who are going to be a star anyway. But you also have guys like Ed Ruth who they signed with with no experience virtually. So, and, and Aaron Pico and people like that. And I think they're thinking that while they still might not be able to get those people in the U.S., I think they're thinking those like 1-0 and 2-0 prospects in China, in Mexico, and in other places can all be cultivated if they just have stuff there. I also think they're just trying to tap into markets that don't have a huge MMA, uh, you know, like support system, right? Like we don't have tons of minor leagues in China and we don't have tons of minor leagues in Mexico. There's like one or two here or there. So like it's, it's also their way to just see what's out there for young talent at those, those places. I'll take it uh, to a wrestling standpoint. Uh, WWE used to have feeder leagues all over the country, Ohio Valley Wrestling, Florida Championship Wrestling, and eventually they just decided to bring it in-house themselves, and that's when they started NXT, uh, also down in Florida, and it's where they would train people in that WWE style. Now, obviously, I'm not comparing a scripted entertainment show, albeit athletic, to the competitive world of MMA, but I think the UFC is doing something similar here, going to an area that might not have the greatest promotions where it's tough to get scouts to, uh, but, you know, a huge population to draw off of, and they're going to teach people the right way 
And uh, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think it makes a ton of sense. And we'll just have to see the quality of Chinese fighter, the quality of Mexican fighter that comes up in the next, you know, let's say five to seven years uh, from this performance institute to really fully judge it. On a business level, though, I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, one of those things that you're not going to see immediate returns on either. Fight announcement, uh, it sounds as though, and I almost uh, am cautious to even say it, but it sounds like it's happening. For the first time in four years, Nick Diaz is coming back, and it sounds like he's fighting Jorge Masvidal. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I'm, I'm more cautious than you are, I think, because uh, I, I'm not ready to, to put this in the books being as far off as it is, and I also just have the worst, worst feeling that, like, Nick Diaz does not want to fight somebody so low-ranked, so I can't imagine him taking a fight with Jorge Masvidal, right? Like, you could see him taking a Lawler fight, you could see him taking a Wonderboy fight, you could see him even maybe taking Ben Askren, but, like, anybody lower than those guys, I I just have a hard time believing Nick Diaz is going to fight somebody like that. Um, and that's not a knock on Masvidal, it's just like a knock on Nick Diaz looking for big money fights. So I'm going to pump the brakes before I get too excited. I understand completely. Let me ask you this. Let's just say it does happen. Who do you favor right off the bat? It's just been so long since we've seen Nick. I think I'd go with Masvidal just because, um, you know, he's been more active. His, he's kind of got that style where... He could fight Nick Diaz's game just as well as Nick Diaz, and he's been fighting more frequently, so why not pick the newer, fresher, you know, more consistent Nick Diaz? All right, we'll move on, uh, and we got ourselves a little promotional war brewing uh, on the date of, if you're an MMA fan, I want you to go uh, get a pen and a piece of paper or put this down in your fancy smartphone calendar January 26, 2019, Bellator and the UFC are going head-to-head. Bellator is featuring Fedor Emelianenko versus Ryan Bader, Gegard Mousasi against Rafael Lovato Jr., and probably the best prospect in all of MMA, uh, Aaron Pico versus Henry Corrales. On the UFC side, UFC 233 in Anaheim, already announced is James Vick versus Paul Felder. Uh, you also have a Joanne Calderwood fight. We love her. Uh, you also have uh, Francisco Trinaldo against Hernandez, and it's not necessarily official, but I think it's all but official. Cejudo versus Killashaw at 125, which is somewhat maddening since they're closing the division. We've talked about that last week, but what do you make of the head-to-head, and which lineup are you more excited about? I have to say right now, I'm more excited about Bellator. Be- Bellator's lineup. Yeah, but I, here's the other caveat I'll put on that. I'm not, I don't think the UFC's done booking big fights, especially if they're going to go head-to-head with somebody doing free MMA, right? Like, Bellator is going to be on some sort of, unless it's on their, the freaking, what is it, DAZN? If, if it's on DAZN, the UFC I, might I not stand. I call it Dazzin. Is it really DAZN? I think you're supposed to say DAZN. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's, that's stupid. Well, no, I, it is, but just to confirm, it is, it's gonna be on cable. It's okay, on. so, so if it's on cable, then yeah, then, then the UFC has gotta do more to stack their card before, uh, anybody is buying a pay-per-view in overlooking what Bellator is currently as lined up. I, I kinda like the promotional war side of things. I, I think that it's, it is gonna force both companies to up their game a little bit, right? Like, would Bellator put Gegard, Fedor, and Pico all in the same card if, uh, if the UFC didn't have a card that day, maybe not. Maybe they'd spread them out a little bit more, you know. So, and it's gonna ask the UFC like, what do you do to get us to buy a pay per view when Fedor is fighting for free? Yeah, agreed. Well, right now I'm more excited about Bellator. A lot of that is because of Aaron Pico. I also want to mention though, uh, just speaking of other MMA promotions and uh, prospects and new fighters. There's some rumors going around that Cron Gracie, son of Hickson, is going to sign with the UFC. Of course, has been in. He's a jiu-jitsu freak. Uh, he, I believe, won ADCC uh, and Mundials. I'll have the intern look that up right now. Uh, but he's transitioned to MMA. He's undefeated in MMA, and he's coming to the UFC. So ironic that Hickson never made it to the UFC. But here we have Kron maybe coming to the UFC. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like it because, uh, you know, Kron, uh, he fought for Risen a couple of times. He He's only 30 years old. Um, in addition to being, you know, just an absolutely sick grappler, it looks like he's filled out some of his other MMA game in that amount of time. You know, he doesn't look terrible. And you also have to remember, too, he's not like some unproven jiu-jitsu prodigy who's just, like, transitioning to MMA. Like Gary Tonin right now. Gary Tonin's 3-0, and right? Gary Tonin is a fun MMA prospect, but definitely not, like, high level yet, right? Like, you wouldn't trust him to just come over to the UFC and start wrecking dudes. Dude, Kron's already beat Kawajiri, Tatsuya Kawajiri. So, like, he's already beat guys who are not only in the UFC, but have, like, won meaningful fights in the UFC, right? Like, Kawajiri, Mm. you know, like, fought Dennis Seaver and beat Dennis Seaver. He beat fucking Jason, (laughs) he beat Jason Knight. You know, like, he's beaten some, like, not the best of the best, but he's beaten some, like, legit dudes in the UFC. So, like... With Kron having a win over him, you have to think to yourself, like, this is a pretty legit signing. Yeah, it's very legit, and uh, he, Kron, is ADC World Champion, I was right on that, IBJJF Pans, uh, IBJJF World, I mean, he's very accomplished in the jiu-jitsu realm, he's 4-0 in MMA, with four subs, but to your point, beating Kawajiri makes him super serious legit, and I always just love having a Gracie in the UFC. It just feels right. We'll move on, though, Gumby. It's Thanksgiving week, and we're going to do our combat countdown, not in our traditional way. Uh, normally, we'll count down you know, a top five uh, predetermined by us off-air and our Twitter fans, but this week, we're just going to say what we're thankful for in MMA. We'll just do a top three. I'll do mine. You'll do yours. We reached out to the fans for their opinion, so that'll be factored in. Uh, so I guess this is almost like a top six. But that's going to be our combat countdown this week because this is an MMA show for MMA nerds by MMA nerds. And it's frickin' Thanksgiving, and God bless the USA, and God bless MMA. Let's talk about what we're thankful for in this great sport of ours. Gumby, are you ready for the Combat Countdown? And is it brought to the fans by any great company? 
Absolutely. This combat countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Go to SISUGuard.com to check out the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. This is a true story, Dave, that I'm about to tell you about this past week. One of my teammates uh, called up or was actually messaging our, uh, our gym group chat, and he was heading to a tournament, and he said, do they make us wear mouthguards? He says, I can't breathe with a mouthguard up in my mouth. And I said, hey, you know what? I've got a Sisu mouthguard here. You should check it out. I brought it to him before he headed to the tournament. Not only did he put it in, mold it, love it, was able to talk and breathe and drink and everything with all up in his mouth. He also won. I'm not saying Sisu mouthguards is going to make you win a tournament, but it did help. Let's let's call him Zach. It helped Zach win a tournament this past weekend. So head to SISUGuard.com and up your jujitsu game with a Sisu mouthguard. Wow, that that story just gives me chills. I will say I wear my CCU mouth guard all the time. I obviously wear it when I'm training jiu-jitsu. I wear it when I'm driving in the car. I'm wearing it right now. I wear it at bed. I only take it out when I have to brush my teeth. But the most amazing thing about it is you can understand me all the time. If you're hearing me now, you should be wowed because I have a CCU mouth guard in my mouth. That's how much we live and die by this company. That's how much we believe in it. They're the best mouth guard on planet Earth. Go get yourself a CCU mouth guard. All right. Uh, we'll start with the top three things we're thankful for. We'll count it down from three to one because it is a combat countdown technically. So Gumby, let's start with your number three. Go. All right. So my number three thing that I'm thankful for is that now more than ever, there are choices to watch MMA. So, you know, like when we were growing up, you were watching the UFC on Spike TV and praying that your parents bought you a pay-per-view or maybe getting, you know, one of the pay-per-view, you know, videos from the video store. But, like, now I don't just have to watch UFC. I can watch Bellator. I can watch UFC. I can buy my own pay-per-views. I can watch 1FC free on their app. Flow Combat has a ridiculous amount of local MMA. Uh, you know, Access TV has got great MMA shit on it all the time. So, like, I am thankful for once that I don't have to, like, just sit at home mad that there's no MMA on a weekend that has no UFC. That's a good one. Um, so I'll start with mine, and I'm going to warn everyone and warn you right now because we didn't talk about these before taping. I, If you're lactose intolerant, I'm sorry because I went super cheesy with my answer. Uh, so let's all do some meditation, do some deep breathing, and really get in touch with ourselves right now because I'm about to go there. So number three for me, it's the evolution of the sport. They had the 25th anniversary of the UFC in Denver two weekends ago, and I love that they brought out the old school graphics, and they even had for each fighter their different styles, because of course we all remember uh, in the early UFCs, it would be, you know, jiu-jitsu versus something as crazy as sumo, or jiu-jitsu versus kickboxing, right? And it settled that age-old debate, thank you, Uncle Art Davey, for ever coming up with the concept of what style was the best. Well, fast forward 20 years or so, and MMA became its own style. And I think that's awesome in a lot of ways. But when you look under the hood and you scratch under the surface, the style versus style is still very much alive. You know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, while he is a good all-around MMA fighter, his primary discipline is still kickboxing. We watch Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because of kickboxing. 
Damian Maya is a jiu-jitsu specialist. So even though everyone is better all around and the sport of MMA has evolved into its very own discipline, there are still different fighters with their own specialties. And I love that so much. But it's so ironic because even during that uh, fight night, you know, Korean Zombie uh, versus um, El Pantera, and they were doing those fight cards, I want to say it was Ashley Yoder versus Amanda Bobby Cooper. And they, I want to say, and I should have gone back and checked this. Maybe I could have the intern pulled up right now. But they said Yoder was jiu-jitsu and Amanda Bobby Cooper was boxing. Because that's what, you know, they're probably primarily best at or that's what they both grew up doing, what have you. And Amanda Bobby Cooper, sure enough, took Yoder down more than Yoder took Bobby Cooper down. And tried to actually, you know, grapple her from up top. And I think that also shows the evolution of the sport that you do have to be good everywhere. Certainly there's still specialists, but everyone is pretty fucking good at everything right now. And that's the evolution of the sport. And I just think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I fucking love that. That's an awesome pick. Uh, we'll move then to number two. What did you have? Ah, uh, number two on my list. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, and, and you said progression of the sport. I'm going to show regression of the sport. I'm glad fucking tournaments are back. Dude, tournaments are good again. Like, Bellator, fucking sick welterweight tournament. Bellator, fun-ass heavyweight tournament. Fucking 1FC is going to bring us uh, a flyweight tournament with freaking Mighty Mouse in it, probably. Like, tournaments are back, and, like, promoters are finally starting to understand that, like, they don't all have to be in one night. Just promote them well for us. Keep reminding us that they're tournaments, and we're into watching them. Because I used to love settling shit with a fucking tournament, because you know who's the best. You you are trying to predict ahead of time what the matchups are. You've got a bracket you can look at. It's the reason we watch March Madness. You're not a college basketball fan, but I guarantee people in your office talk about fucking March Madness. So... Why not get us some brackets and let's settle this lightweight division in the UFC the right way now too. So I'm loving this this tournament forward approach. Let's keep it going. I love that. Yeah, I think the way Bellator did this was so genius. I was excited about their heavyweight Grand Prix. I was trying to imagine what the finals would be. Hashtag predicted them. Uh, but you don't have to do it all in one night in that, you know, sort of old school barbaric way that they used to do it. You can play it out over the year. And honestly, the UFC takes so much flack for who's getting title fights and this would settle matchups. it. This would settle it. Yeah. Dude, just, and you know, people get so upset about the fucking rankings. Like, you know, you're being personally insulted. Okay. Maybe we can argue over who should be fifth versus who should be third. It's a minor argument. Here's something better. We can all pretty much agree on the top eight. And if someone at number nine gets shut out, okay, it's not a crime against humanity. He probably wasn't going to win anyway at nine. Yeah. Right, exactly. So all I'm saying is we don't have to argue about one versus three or who really deserves that title shot. Take the motherfucking top eight. I mean, didn't college football just do this with their top four playoffs to eliminate that stupid fucking argument we have to hear every year on SportsCenter? Take the top eight in January, and you do a goddamn Grand Prix over the course of the next nine months to a year, and it builds and builds, and then come December, what do you have but a bunch of super excited hardcore MMA nerds um, i.e. our fan base. All right, I'll go with my number two. 
And again, if you're diabetic, I apologize. I went sugary sweet on this stuff. <laughs> so I was a fat 11-year-old who walked into a blockbuster and found UFC in 1994, about two months after the first event, uh, on the bottom shelf of the special interest section, almost like Blockbuster was hiding it. And I became, uh, you know, obsessed with the sport and obviously very interested in what this jiu-jitsu thing was. And uh, to this day, I practice jiu-jitsu. I am proud to say I'm a purple belt, as is Gumby, probably on the verge of getting a brown belt soon. Congratulations. Uh, but that all being said, um, jiu-jitsu is still alive and well in MMA. You know, last week I tweeted this out on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, this was at, um, oh, you know what? I did this for the past two weeks. I apologize. So last week was UFC Argentina. There were four submissions, three, three rear naked chokes, one guillotine. You go back to Yair Rodriguez versus Korean Zombie. There was an armbar. There was a Darce. There was a rear naked choke. The fight has, I mean, fans still boo sometimes when it goes to the ground, but the game has evolved so much. You know, you stand them up three to five times, depending on the number of rounds. It's almost geared at this point to not go to the ground, yet people are still submitting each other. Uh, and it just shows you, as Uncle Henzo says, Jiu-Jitsu, never leave home without it. It's still alive and well. So that yeah. I am thankful for. Yeah, and a lot of people mentioning that like it's not the the first thing you have to learn anymore for MMA, which it, you're right, it's not. Whereas like at the beginning, if you didn't know jujitsu, you were screwed. You you might not be in that case, but the people who are like very advanced in jujitsu are still taking a large advantage over people who aren't advanced in jujitsu. Uh, very much so, and yeah, I mean, I think if you have if you're a great striker like style bender, like you can just learn a really good takedown defense and be pretty much okay as you climb the ranks. But hey, guess what? I know he's on a bad losing streak. It looks like it might be the end of his career. Weidman versus Stylebender. Let's say that was the next matchup for him. I'd be a little scared if I was Stylebender. You know, if Weidman got him on the ground, he's a fucking beast. Mm -hmm. um, and he's a dangerous wrestler. Yeah, I'm not saying that's what would happen, but you look at even Connor. I mean, Connor has pretty good takedown defense. Connor actually had a genius game plan versus Habib and even still had to succumb to the rear naked choke in the fourth round. If you don't know it as you get to the top of the sport, you fucked. All right, we'll go to number one. I'm going to, you kicked us off for the other two. I want you to finish us off though. Uh, just because mine is pretty generic. Uh, so my number one, what am I thankful for in the sport of MMA? Again, I'm sorry. I went super cheesy. Uh, I'm thankful for the fighters. I'm thankful for the performances. You know, so many people, and again, I tweeted this out on our uh, Twitter page, at Top Turtle MMA, follow us, send us hate mail, or send us hate tweets, send us love tweets. We're accepting both. Uh, I tweeted this out after Yair Rodriguez and um, Korean Zombie. That fight ending at, you know, four minutes, 59 seconds into the very last round, one second to go with a goddamn elbow KO is the reason that Dana White doesn't lose sleep about the fact that Connor probably only has a handful of fights, about the fact that Ronda Rousey is in WWE right now. The fighters, stars are always going to be there. The fighters make themselves into stars by their performances. And, 
you know, I think we have that now in Stylebender. I think he is that next star if he gets past whoever they match him up with next. Uh, he's a future champion. I, I just, I have no doubt about that. Or at the very least, he's going to be a very fun fighter to watch. And he's someone people will pay to see. So for me, the number one thing I'm thankful for is the fighters themselves. Aw, what was your number one? So you're going to fucking laugh at this. My number one is pretty much exactly your number one. So my number one, a little, little bit more specific, but I said uh, that the UFC has a whole bunch of young stars that we can start considering pay-per-view style sellers and shit like that. Because, you know, like at the bottom line here is we all want the UFC to be healthy because it's good for us for watching purposes, right? And... You know, I, I look back at a couple of years ago where everybody's like, oh, Connor's gone. What the fuck are they going to do? Oh, Ronda's gone. What the fuck are they going to do? And now, here's what the fuck they're going to do. They have guys like, as you just said, the Stylebender. They have fucking Israel Adesanya. They got Yair Rodriguez. They got Sean O'Malley. They got freaking Mackenzie Dern. They've got Paulo Costa. They got Alexander Volkanovsky. Tatiana they got Suarez. Tatiana Suarez. Johnny Walker. Fucking, they've got guys, all of those people we just mentioned, under 30 years old, right? So, like, um, Zabit, Magomed Sharapov, I think he's exactly 30 years old. Like, they have so many really fun young guys who are not only super fun to watch in the cage, but also super marketable, and that is just, like, a fucking exciting time to be a fan of MMA and the UFC. Alright, so let's play it back. Uh, we had... The number of promotions, options out there for MMA fans, the evolution of the sport, the fact that tournaments are alive and well, the fact that jiu-jitsu is alive and well, and we both hit on the same number one, and that's the fighters themselves and the stars in the making, the prospects that are out there, and just the fights themselves. God bless MMA. God bless the USA. God bless Top Turtle MMA. And let's get to our UFC China breakdown. Gumby. Is this UFC China breakdown, which features a fucking banger of a rematch in Francis Naganu versus friend of the show, Curtis Blades. Actually, they're both friends of the show. How do we even pick someone? Uh, but is this UFC China breakdown brought to the fans by any fine company? Well, of course, this UFC China breakdown is brought to you by BJJT Club. Look, we're all getting things through subscription services nowadays. People get their razors, their food, their coffee. It's the way of the future. So why walk around a mall or a supermarket looking like a dope, trying to find the right thing, especially when it comes to BJJ t-shirts? BJJT Club feels the same way about supporting your love for jiu-jitsu. Why poke around the internet looking for high-quality BJJ tees when you can have them delivered right to your door monthly with no contracts and no obligations? It's insane to do it any other way. So go to BJJTclub.com. That's BJJ. T-E-E-C-L-U-B dot com and check them out. Plus, you'll get five bucks off when you mention our promo code FLOW. That's F-L-O with your order. So you'll get five bucks off that first T. Check them out. BJJTclub.com. So for our breakdown, uh, let's start with the main event. I'm going to go with Curtis Blades over Francis Naganu. Blades, a negative 225 favorite over Naganu, plus 185 underdog. Look, I, I think the, the book is sort of out on Naganu with the wrestling defense. Sure, he stopped Blades a couple of times last time, but until he shows me that he's the old Francis Naganu, I'm picking against him just about every time. I'm also going with Alistar Overeem as a slight underdog, believe it or not, plus 105 against uh, Sergei Pavlovich. 
Pavlovich betting off at negative 120 here. Look, Pavlovich, well-noted wrestler. I think people are sleeping on how good Alistair Overeem's wrestling defense can be. Yeah, he got taken down by Curtis Blades, and he got taken down by Stipe Miocic, but, like, those are some two pretty high-level grapplers, uh, especially MMA grappling for those two. So I'm not sure Pavlovich will get him down, and if he's not, you know, Overeem is still Overeem. Um, and then it's kind of hard to find a big third fight on this card, so I went with Song Yudong, uh, who is a hot prospect over there right now. He's betting off at negative 420 against Vince Morales at plus 335. Look, this kid's explosive. He's really exciting to watch, so if I was going to come up with a third fight on this card that you should probably watch... Check out Song Yudong. So, once again, that's uh, Curtis Blades over Francis Naganu, Alistar Overeem over Sergei Pavlovich, and Song Yudong over Vince Morales. Uh, this was another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, Sisu Mouthcards, and BJJT Club. I also want to thank FlowCombat.com for having us on each and every week. And, of course, I want to remind you to check out our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. We've got fun trivia, giveaways, and all that good stuff on there. You're going to want to check it out each and every week. Check it out for our upcoming trivia events. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. And uh, that does it. just about does it for us this week. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. My co-host was Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We will see you next week. Enjoy your holiday.